You're listening to the official podcast of Resurgence Initiatives, inspiring people to arise together. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love for us that makes it well in our soul. That no matter what we go through, the hardships, the the battles in life, that we can look to you and we know your presence is with us. You make it well with our soul. We love you, Father. We love you. I pray that your power and your love will penetrate hearts and minds tonight through the live stream, that your power will go from this place. We feel your presence so strongly, and we know that it will go through the cameras, through the computer screens, through the phones, right into your hearts, right into your hearts when you're watching this ministry, when you're watching tonight. We thank you, Father, for what, uh, what you're about to do in so many lives. We thank you, Jesus. Well, so good, so good. I was a little bit, a little bit wrecked during worship. Uh, I got to be honest, Karis. Seven and a half years, I think I've been, been around Resurgence. I still haven't figured out how you sing like that. It's unbelievable. I just love it. But thanks for, for stewarding that and using that, those, that, that voice that the Lord gave you. It's so good. Thanks for joining us tonight. I want to echo what Travis said. If you guys, if, if you have, it, if you're, if you have 10 bucks a month to sow into this ministry, if you've got a hundred bucks to sow into this ministry, it's good soil. My wife and I partner with this ministry. We don't always come. I wish that we could come more. We've got three boys at home. We've got, um, a busy life. And so just being in that, that, that time in our life, it's a little bit harder to come all the time, but I love being back here at Resurgence and I love this ministry. If you've got it on your heart to sow just a little bit, even monthly into this ministry, you don't have to be involved all the time. You don't have to come, although I encourage you to do that. But so, and I know that the Lord will, will provide that for you. Um, November 2013, I was at home, and, and uh, I had a new roommate, and I said, what are you doing tonight? He said, I'm going to Resurgence. And I said, what's that? I never heard of Resurgence. And he said, oh, it's a young adult thing or a service. Or I don't know what he said, but, but, and I didn't understand it, but I went with him, and and you know, Travis talked about what I do. He talked about the porn ministry, the, 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 the ministry that I have helping guys and girls out of porn addictions, sexual addictions. It might not be pornography. It could be anything sexual. But what we try to do is we try to bring people not into a place where they're focused on getting free from sin. We try to bring them into a place where they know solidly who they are in Christ, have the love of God overwhelm their hearts. And like it says in 1 Peter 4, that when you suffer in the body, if you arm yourself with the same attitude that Christ has, you'll just watch sin fall out of your life. It's so much more powerful to do it that way, to conquer any battle in your life, to know the love of God, to think like Christ, because it sets you up for this life of impact and of purpose and of wholeness. You know who you are in Christ. And so that first, that first uh, time that I ever came to Resurgence, uh, Karis, you weren't leading. I don't know if you were on stage or not. I probably would remember with your style, your clothing style. <laughs> you weren't leading that night. Um, Andrew, I think Andrew is that is that a thing? I think Andrew was leading that night. But I remember I remember Travis kind of said the, the word envelope about 17 times in his giving message. It was pretty funny, but. But I, I, I chatted with Travis that night and just loved him right away, and I loved the heart and the ministry. What I had prayed for years before that night was I said, God, I so badly want to be free from pornography. I don't know how to do this. Give me something that's, that's strong enough to help me to get free. And on the other hand, I, I prayed and I said, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to make an impact. I want to advance your kingdom. And I just visualized going around the world. And I visualized just impacting people and bringing them into wholeness in Christ. And I didn't really know Jesus intimately, especially like I do now. And that night at Resurgence, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting a life transformation. But I remember sitting in worship and I remember in my right ear, I heard the voice of the Lord. He said, Matt, I want you. I want to use you. I want to use you so powerfully, but you've got to get pure. You've got to get this pornography sin out of your life. And what I didn't understand was that I thought that I would just quit something and I'd be used. 
Well, he was speaking to me with my kind of immature understanding of what intimacy looked like. And over the next year and a half, I spent so much time at Resurgence. He led me to a church that just transformed me. I went to everything that you guys did. You probably remember. I went to everything. And, uh, and it transformed me, learning who I was in Christ. Travis, I don't have it with me, but I love what you read about what it is to be whole on your website. And you were talking corporately about we, we like knowing our Christ-given, our Christ-given identity, knowing who we are. But I wonder if you can go to liveresurgence.com and read that statement about, about wholeness and make it personal. It was so powerful. I meant to do that. I didn't bring it up here with me, but it's so powerful to make it whole, to make it personal. Because when you know who you are, everything changes. When you know who, who you are in Christ, everything changes. Yeah. And so I started to learn that at Resurgence. If this is your first time, I just encourage you, stay plugged into this ministry. Get involved with everything that they, that, that they do, that everything that they put on. It's exactly what I did. And the Lord used that so powerfully in my life. I remember it was, um, it was March 20, 2015. And and I was a single guy, but I had my eyes on a, on a pretty little girl. And, and there was a resurgence that, that uh, Bill Prankard was speaking at. You guys probably remember. I mean, he's only been here a couple times, so Bill Prankard was speaking. Do you guys remember? Do you want to know what he was speaking on that night? I have no idea. I was looking at the girl behind me all night long. <laughs> I have no idea what the message was. But I, I strategically, I think the Lord was my provider. He was my provision. He placed me right in a seat right in the road uh, in front of Louise. And so I just kind of was sitting kind of sideways, looking back all night. And after, after the service that night, I went forward to the altar, and so did she. And I'm like, the Lord is doing this. Thank you, Father. <laughs> I had my first conversation with her that night. And, and uh, it's kind of funny, actually. I don't know why I did this, but I went to her, and I just I was watching her pray. I'm like, hey, quit praying already. I want to come talk to you. She's having this moment with the Lord, and she finally opened her eyes. And I went to her, and I said, hey, how you doing? I've never said that in my life. I don't know what happened, but it worked because she grabbed my hand that night and she just kind of rubbed me with her thumb and didn't let go. And I knew I was going to marry the girl that night. So, so resurgence transformed my life. Resurgence transformed my, my singleness into marriage. And, uh, and I love this ministry. So it's an honor to be here. I love, I love just being back and being with all you guys in the room here tonight. So I was a little bit a little bit disappointed seeing the new restrictions come out, but the morning after the restrictions came out, I know that the team was figuring out what to do, and I was just praying, and, and I, I saw a vision from the Lord. I saw a picture in my head just from the Lord, whereas it, it was my tongue, and it applies for the worship team and Megan and Travis and all that too, but, but it was my tongue, and I just saw f- fields of electricity, just power and love going from us from on stage right into the camera and into people's homes, and it was before I knew what we were doing. I didn't know if it was going to be canceled or if it would be from home or or what, but in that moment I knew, I'm like, okay, this is going to happen, and I know that the Lord is here and is going is to work powerfully, and so I'm excited to share about wholeness. And so, what is wholeness? What is wholeness? You know, it's fun for me to share in our ministry. I love talking about helping people out of pornography, but it's fun to just talk about just something different, just wholeness in general. Everything, everybody can, can, can take this and go, what is wholeness in my life? Well, we look, we see it right from the start. We see it in Genesis. The father says, hey, let us make man in our image. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you stay over there. I'm just going to come over here. I'm going to make man in my image. And you guys can watch. No, no, he says, I'm in intimate relationship with Jesus, with my son and with my spirit. And everything that I want to do in this moment and from here on out, I want to do with those I'm in intimate relationship with. And so we see this model right from the start, and then he goes and he makes man in his image, in his likeness. And then he says, man, you can do nothing without me, but with me, you can do everything. You can do all things. Nothing is impossible with me. And so he's got this, this, this unity with the Spirit and with the Son. Everything that they do, they do together. And then he invites us to be, to be part of that. And it's so beautiful. And so I want to share, but what does this look like in our lives? Because when we're broken, sometimes, sometimes we don't deal with our brokenness. Sometimes we go, man, this brokenness is too much. I don't know what to do with it. And so I want to chat through biblically what it looks like to be whole first. What does that look like? How do we know that we're whole? How do we know that, that, 
that in Christ's design, that we're doing things the right way and that we're whole in our hearts. And then I want to chat through a little bit. I'll give kind of just four, four pointers. I guess I could say three in a bonus, but it's four pointers about how can I achieve broken or wholeness? How can I, how can I achieve that in my life? How do I know I'm on the right path? And so I love this standard that is in scripture for what wholeness is, for what, what we want to get to. Uh, you know, we talk so much about goals in life. Like what's your goal? What's your career goal? What's your financial goal, re- relationship goal? For me, I've got a character goal. What do I want my character to be? Do you guys think about that? Do you think, what, what kind of person do I want to be? Maybe you don't use that, that terminology, but, but how do I want to respond to situations? How do I want to respond to brokenness, to hard times, to persecution? I've got a character goal that I think about all the time. I see it in Scripture, and we look in, in 1 Peter 2, the way that Jesus responds to insults, and I love it. It says, oh, I can't see it from there. I'm going to open my Bible because I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be a little bit um, closer. I thought it'd be on a different screen. But I'm going to open my Bible to read it from 1 Peter 2. Sorry, guys. For a little bit of delay, I think that you guys can see it on the screen. What it says is, it says, when he was reviled or when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. For when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Like, do we have, the, do we have a trust relationship with the Lord that he's going to take care of us? How many of us, when we, when we get insulted, when we get persecuted, when hard times come, we're going, this isn't fair, this person treated me like this, this situation isn't what I asked for. And then we justify acting in sin or insulting somebody else or gossiping about something because of the hardship that's been done to us. It says that when Jesus was insulted, he didn't insult them back. But instead, he went right to the Father. And he went, I'm so close and in unity with you, my Father, that I know I don't have to feel good about myself by insulting them back because I'm whole. This is a picture of wholeness because we know that we're living and we're operating in brokenness when, when our response to life is sin. We know that we're operating not in wholeness when we justify doing things that Jesus would never do. So we look at the standard from Jesus and we go, man, he was insulted and he didn't insult back. I was so moved at our Good Friday service this year watching the scenes from the Passion and it's incredible. If you think about that moment, he's in the garden, he's praying, he's got anxiety, he's sweating blood. He's so anxious, which is a scientific thing. You can sweat blood if you get to that level of anxiety. How many people have ever sweat blood? In other words, he had more anxiety in that moment than I've ever had, than anybody in this room has ever had. And he prayed, he's like, God, not my will, but yours be done. He had a will. He said, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. Is there any other way? He had a will, a personal will. But he laid that down. He said, but Father, your will be done. And then he goes forward and they come and he gets betrayed by Judas. And, he, and, and his enemy, Peter, Peter cuts off the ear of his enemy, the one who's attacking Jesus, when Jesus is in this state where he's asking his friends to pray for him and they're falling asleep and he's, he's anxious to, the, to a degree that we've never experienced, he's going to do, go through something the next day or whatever in the next few hours that he does not want to go through. He's being attacked by somebody. Peter, his buddy, in defense of him, cuts off his ear and he goes and heals the guy's ear. I'm like, that is wholeness. He knows who he is. He's not responding in sin. He's not going, hey, you, like, I don't want to. You know, he's not cursing the guy. He's not, he's not, he's not bad-mouthing the guy. He's going, I love this person so much, and I know I'm whole in Christ. I know I'm whole in himself, in the Father. I've got the fullness of the Spirit. There's angels backing me. There's angels empowering me. And this guy doesn't know me. He doesn't know what he's doing. I want to show him the love of God, even in the midst of persecution. We only do that when we're whole. So a sign of operating in brokenness is when we don't respond with love for somebody else, but we respond with our eyes on ourselves. When we justify sin by going, well, it's because of whatever happened to me. We're not operating in wholeness. 
Jesus goes forward. It's crazy. that If you think about the emotion in that, in that moment, from the start of time, it says he was slain before there was time, right? So, so we, from the start of time, he knew it was going to come, but it's been how many thousands of years? Now he's at this moment, and he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, but he had to endure the cross. And I know that the joy that, that was set before him wasn't selfish in nature. Because I used to think that, of course, he, he, he endured what he was going through because he was about to get to heaven. But then I realized that the character of God is always, always, every single time, to glorify God and to benefit other people, to bless other people and not selfish in nature. And so Jesus is at this moment where it's like the fulfillment of his purpose, the fulfillment of reconciling people back to back to God. He's at this moment where it's like, man, my eyes, me personally, would be so on myself. But he's so whole and complete and knowing who he is, knowing what his purpose is to bless other people, knowing what his purpose is to glorify God, his Father. He's so complete in that. that then when he gets, when he gets accused of things, he just doesn't even say anything. And then he's hanging on the cross. And they're drilling nails into his hands. And he's crying out in the moment they're hurting him for their forgiveness, or for, for, for forgiveness for them. There's a thief on his right side. There's a thief on his left side. You've got to imagine this. Jesus is the Son of God. Anybody who's sinning on earth, anybody who's committing a sin on earth, which those thieves did, it's a sin against him. So it's a sin against Jesus, but he responds. He's going, man, you're going to be in eternity with me today. There was no hatred. There was no bitterness. There was no like, hey, I'm going to insult you. What, look at what you did. How could you do that? Like we say to people, when we're broken, when we're operating in brokenness, we're not representing the love of the Father. And so we've got to understand what is it to be whole? Now, you might think, well, that's Jesus. Of course, Jesus can do that. But what about me? Now, I don't have the theology that, that, that he's Jesus and I'm me and I could never be like him. I don't see that in scripture. I think that Jesus was a man. I think he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that the Apostle Paul believed that too. In Philippians 4, you can read, it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. What he's saying is, I rejoiced to the Lord, with the Lord, at great lengths that you were concerned for me. He's concerned about them. He's concerned about their hearts. And we'll see that more as we go. He goes, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned, to be, uh, I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. Like when I get complimented, I go, hey, thanks for the compliment. That meant something to me. Paul goes, hey, when you compliment me, I don't need it. I'm totally good. I've learned what it is to be content. I know who I am in the Lord. But I'm so pumped that your heart, that your heart is, is, is one who wants to compliment. It's a heart that wants to, to encourage other people. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord because your heart was one that when you have the opportunity, you want to encourage somebody else. Not that I need it. Because I'm totally good. You know, do we, do we ever feel in relationships, friendships, marriages, whatever, do we ever feel like if they don't treat me the right way, do they love me? Do, do we doubt, right? Do we go, hey, this person, I, it seemed like they didn't love me. It seemed like we haven't had, had the right time or we haven't had, you know, the, 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 the kind of love languages being fulfilled in the right way. They must not love me. It's a sign of brokenness because Paul goes, hey, you didn't even have the opportunity to show me love, but I was content no matter what. I was content whether I had a lot of relationships, whether I had none, whether I had a lot of money, whether I had none, whether I was um, ministering, whether I was not, whether I was hungry, whether I was, I was not. Whatever the situation, he's like, man, you don't, your, your actions towards me means nothing for me. I'm so pumped that your heart is right, though, because everything he thinks is just like Christ. It's for them. It's not for him because he's whole. He's whole. And we move forward in the next few verses. Um, he says, uh, in verse 17, he says, they're talking about financial gifts now. And he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Like, I'm just going, man, 
when people give me gifts, do I just think, oh, I, don't, I don't really need this. Like, I'm grateful, but I don't really need it. Or do I operate and like, oh, thank you. Like, I need this, right? Like, do we operate in like, in scarcity? Do we operate in doubt? Do we operate thinking, I don't know if the Lord has got me for sure. I don't know how to be content in every situation. See, Paul is so pumped for the fruit that increases to their credit. His, his, his concern in his heart is, is for them because he's so whole. But when we're operating in brokenness, we think about us first. And so if we want to know where are we broken in life, where are we broken? We go, how am I, in which areas in life am I thinking about me first? No, it's probably a lot. I know for me, it's a lot. But when I have this character goal that I'm like, I don't want to insult anybody when they insult me. And in fact, in Matthew 5, it says to bless those who persecute you and pray for those who hate you. So I don't want to do nothing even. I want to bear fruit to the end of their lives. That's wholeness. In Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, you can read it, but it says, blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. And it says, when, when heat comes, the leaves stay green. They're still emotionally healthy if you trust fully in the Lord. When drought comes, you never cease to bear fruit. Like, if you think about it, if there's drought, like if there's drought for three years, you're not expecting crops to come up, right? But if you're, if you're rooted in the Lord, the Lord is like, man, no, there's going to be crops, even if there's no, even if there's a drought, even if it's been years, even if you've had relationship drought for years, if marriage has been, has been rough for 20 years, I'm still expecting you to bear fruit. I'm still expecting you to love your spouse to not think about you because I want you to be so whole in the Lord. And so there's markers to go, where am I, where am I not operating in wholeness? Where am I missing it? And there's no condemnation. I think the Lord is so about exposing those things for our benefit and so that we can advance the kingdom. There's no condemnation if you're going, man, I'm missing it. I'm not doing this. I'm thinking about me first, or I've, I've insulted people, or I've, you know, cursed at people, or I've operated with greed or with sexual sin. Don't be condemned. Have the grace of the Lord come in. Don't hear that with condemnation. You know, there's, there's, there's trials. There's ways that the Lord shapes us. And it's never what we want. It's never what we want. We can read it in 2 Corinthians 11. I'm just going to flip there to read it. And it's so, it's so crazy reading this. It's kind of like Paul's resume. If you think about, like, hey, if you're applying for a job interview, right? Like, this is what I've done. These are all the good things. This is, this is like, all of the, the, the references, the people that speak the best of me. Here you go. Paul, this is his resume. He could do that. But instead he goes, if I can find it here, he goes, uh, he goes, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. I don't know why he didn't just say 39, but 40 less one. <laughs> if you're asking me how old I am from now on, I'm going to go, I'm 34 minus one. <laughs> five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. Think about if you were going through this. Would you have self-pity? Right? Like, would you go, man, I've been through it. Like, you don't understand what I've been through. Other people, you don't have any idea what I've been through. If you're going through this, I think probably we'd think that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger everywhere, basically. He had no safe place other than in the Lord. So he was made whole in the Lord. And that's why I think that when Paul talks about, hey, I'm content, like I've learned to be content. He doesn't say, hey, I was born content. I just, you know, I've never struggled with sin in my life. He's like, no, no, I've learned how to be content. I've learned what it is to be content in every situation, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. I think this is training grounds. The Lord took, took him through this. And it goes on, there's more. It's like danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food. How many of us go, yeah, the only reason I sinned and I lashed out is because I was hungry and I haven't, I haven't slept for a while. Or you don't, under, you don't understand how people treated me. No wonder I treated you like that and I just snapped in the moment. And we justify. Let's, let's look at that and go, okay, if I did this, 
I've got to repent and I've got to be sorry. And I want to grow in this area because I want to know what it is to become whole in Christ. But these are markers and these are training. This is a training ground for, I think, how Paul learned how to be content in every situation. And hunger and thirst, often without food, like it just goes on and on and on. And so there's the daily pressure, like the daily pressure, like daily. Like, are you like, oh man, I had a hard week. I don't want a hard week anymore. He's like, every single day there was pressure on me. Pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches, not just one. Like, I'm just going, man, this is like, this is extreme what he went through. And he used it to learn how to be content, to learn how to be whole in Christ, to learn how to be fully satisfied from heaven in every situation. It's incredible. And so there's hardships that we go through, and, and I wonder what our, what, our, what our perception is. Like, how do we handle it? What do we think about hardships? This is the guy that says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Pure joy, trials of many kinds. Pure joy, trials of many kinds. Like that, those two things don't go together. Pure joy, trials of many kinds. What? He goes, no, 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 because it's going to produce so much fruit in you if, if you allow it to, if you seek the Lord in that, if you allow him to be your strength. And so I think, I think hard times are an opportunity for us to learn, but it's not just, it's not just hard times. If we go to 1 Timothy 1, because, because Paul is talking about the hard times. He's, he's exposing all of the things that he's gone through. But when you look at 1 Timothy, um, you'll see what he says here. Because we want to expose the brokenness. We want to expose what's going on. We want to talk about the hardships. We don't want to be a people who go, man, I'm going to present a good face because I want to look like I'm whole when there's brokenness inside of me. I don't want to go, man, yeah, everything's good in my life. I don't want to talk to you about the hard things because you might judge me for going through those things or whatever. No, no, there's hardships and then there's sin. It's like, like he goes, man, I was a Pharisee, right? Like he says that, he goes, he goes, uh, <laughs> if I can find it. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was, uh, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. Like he's talking about his sins. He's not just talking about the hardships. He's talking about his sin. He's getting that out. He's not living with that. He's not hiding what he's done. And then he goes, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And I think, man, if if I was a person who hid my brokenness, how sad would it be that I could never witness to somebody else and say it's only because of the grace that I received from the Lord, the love that I received from him. The road to wholeness goes through brokenness, goes through hardship, but we've got to expose it. We can't live with darkness inside of us. You know, you might wonder, hey God, I thought you had a purpose for me. I thought that I thought that you had great plans for my life. You've prophesied over me. You've spoken things into me. You've, you've told me things in the secret place. Why am I going through this stuff? When my wife was praying at resurgence that night, what I didn't know was that she was having an incredible vision. And the Lord was telling her, the time for love is now. The time for love is now. And she opened her eyes, and she's looking at, the, at me, and she's like, oh, I guess the time for love is now. And my biggest regret probably is from that time is not telling her that night that I was going to marry her, because I already knew that I would. But a couple of weeks later, she had another vision. And there, were, there was lots of supernatural confirmations that we knew that the Lord was bringing us together. And so, so she had this, this vision from the Lord that that was about our future together, about the, the plans that the Lord had for us, what he was going to do for our marriage, what his intentions was with us. Three months before I met my wife, I was at a service and her dad was preaching. And I didn't know who he was. And, and, uh, and he was sitting beside me. I was in the front row like a, like a good student, the only one. I was probably the best student. And uh, I'm just kidding, but he was, he was sitting with me. And so he preached and then he prophesied over me. And it was recorded by a friend. And so he prophesied these words, Matt, I hear the Lord saying this, and I hear the Lord bringing you into this, and I see this. It was recorded, it was on my phone. When my wife, it was about three and a half months after that, 
had this vision from the Lord about our future together, it was exactly what her dad had prophesied about me when I didn't even know who he was. There's an incredible purpose that God has for us. And so we get married. I'm growing this ministry, helping people with porn. And, um, and, a, <laughs> and a month into our marriage, we have, <laughs> we have incredible trauma with sex. Like incredible trauma. And for two years, the doctors have no idea what's going on because they've never heard of it. The situation that we're experiencing, they've never heard of it. And so we're both virgins before marriage. We're saving our sex for marriage. We finally get to this point where like, okay, let's consummate, let's come together, let's explore, let's have fun, let's grow in this. And a month in, disaster hits. And I'm building this ministry talking about pornography. And people are asking me to talk about God's design for sex. And I can do it. The Lord has anointed me to do that. But every time I do, it's a trigger for what's going on at home. It's a reminder of the brokenness that we're going through. And there's that. It created so much trauma that there's relational brokenness now. There's friendships that, that we, we, don't, we didn't hang out with. We didn't reach out to people. There was trauma in the shock of it that we don't know what's going on. There's a promise. God, there's a promise for our marriage. And now the joy that everybody speaks about, where my wife is somebody who everybody even now talks about, man, you're a person who laughs. You guys in this room, you know, like, like she's a person who laughs. She has an incredible laugh. When we first get together, we're laughing. I remember in our, in, our, in our wedding, somebody said there was something funny that we did. And somebody said, man, that marriage, they're going to have so much fun. And the joy is robbed from us like that. And there's brokenness. And I'm growing, growing a ministry, and there's financial brokenness, and there's health brokenness. And, and the, the, like my, my precious, beautiful wife, who's leading an incredible children's ministry, uh, is so dearly loved by so many people, and she gets migraines for six months, and she's bedridden, and she can't work anymore. We're already tight financially, and now she has to resign from her job. Our response wasn't always great. Our response was sin, and in various ways, there was sin. There's brokenness in our marriage. My, I went into marriage on such a high. Like I told you, like a year and a half, being around resurgence in different places, I went in with such a high in my relationship with the Lord. And trauma hits. And, you know, people get married, you often they'll say even just your, your routine is different, your schedule is different. My relationship with God, wasn't, it didn't look the same as what it did before. And those years, those months that I had with the Lord before were so precious to me. And my relationship with him, it just changed. I'm like, man, I can't hear you. I can't feel you the same. I, I wasn't seeking him the same. To be honest with you, the trauma got to me. And, and same with my wife. And the relationship with God, it lacked. And we wanted to have kids, and we wanted to wait a little bit to have kids, but we were open. And, and, we're, and so there's this trauma with, with sex, and then we're like, hey, well, we want to make, we want to have kids, and the doctors are telling us that it could be very, very bad, but we wanted to, and then after a couple years, you're going, it's not happening, like, there's infertility here, and you think about the brokenness, like, God, you, you, you told us that you were going to do something great with us, we get married, and there's brokenness in every area of our life, every area. Like, what is, what is happening, Lord? And I would sit there, and I would, I would cry out to him for a year, and I would beg him to take situations away. And I would beg him, <laughs> like, just change this, Lord. Like, bring us out of it. And after about a year of resisting his work in me, I remember sitting on my couch and going, God, you've told me that you want to work on me, and okay, you can, you can work on me. And my prayers changed, and my relationship with God, although it wasn't what it was before, it changed. Like, it wasn't worse. It was different. And I remember days where I'd wake up, and I remember just going, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. And, he, and I remember one day before church, he goes, Matt, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. And I took that for the day, and it was enough for the day. It, it got me through. 
And what we learned is that my relationship with the Lord was so fun and exciting and supernatural and miracles and incredible stuff and learning his voice and a fire for the word and just learning it for a year and a half. And then I learned character through the trial. And in those, we've been married five and a half years, so whatever it is in that time, I look at myself and who I am now and how do I relate to life and where do I sin and how do I relate to hardships? And I go, man, over here, that first year and a half, that was so cool, the intimacy and the miracles and the supernatural. I loved it. I longed for it. There were so many stories I could talk for 10 hours about what happened. But the character growth that is setting us up for intimacy despite hardships for knowing each other through the brokenness, that we can come together and we can go, man, we're broken. We're two broken people. We've not been, we've, we've not been the best to each other at times because of trauma. Also, not even that, just because we're, we're human and we're growing. We've come to a point where instead of clashing, we can go, man, if we want that vision, that promise that God made over our lives to come true, which we, I absolutely believe that it will, We've got to understand that we're, our character is being transformed through it all. Our character is being transformed through it all. Like pure, pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, like that doesn't make any sense when you look at situations, when you look at brokenness and hardship. If you don't deal with hardship in a godly, Christ-like way like Scripture instructs us to, you're going to be broken, and you're going to be a mess, and you're going to be in sin for the rest of your life. God is using this as a training ground to grow your character because he so badly wants to achieve so much through your life. He wants to advance the kingdom. He wants there to be fruit. I love that one of your guy posts is fruitful. That he's like, man, I want you to be fruitful in your life. But in order to be fruitful, you've got to be so connected to the vine. And when you do that, fruit will just happen. Fruit will happen through your life. And so when there's brokenness, do we expose it? Do we, do, we, do we let people in? Do we get bitter against God or do we go to him? In, um, you know, our wedding verse was, was Psalm 37.4. And I love, I love that verse. It says, delight yourself in the, in, in the Lord. And he'll, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And it was our wedding verse because there was a time where I had preached on that at a message there were, or at a, at a place. There were two of us speaking. I was so new in the Lord and in ministry, but, but I preached on it and I preached on it incorrectly. And I look back a few years later, I'm like, oh, I got that wrong. But the other speaker, he preached on the same verse. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like I, I should learn this verse. And so I meet my wife and she has journals with the same verse on it. And so it became our wedding verse. And delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't just mean delight in him. It doesn't say delight in the Lord. It says delight yourself in the Lord. Learn who you are in Christ. Learn how you can be made whole through him. And, and when you look at some translations in the original language, it even talks about the clay and the potter in that verse. Like when you look at Psalm 37, 4, it's referring to, to when the clay is in the hands of the potter. The clay isn't just on the shelf worshiping the potter. Although that's good to do, we should absolutely worship the Lord. But don't make that the only way that you worship. Worship the Lord for who you are in him. The clay in the hands of the potter. And so in Jeremiah 18, it says to, Jer to Jeremiah, it says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, um, the wor um, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, and it, as it seemed good to the potter to do. And when I first read this, I went, that's so cool. Like, when the, when the clay was, spot, or was spoiled in, the, in his hand, in the potter's hand, the potter just reworked it. And then I went back, and I went, wait, wait a second, wait a second. When the clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, he was, it was in the potter's hand. We go through our brokenness. We go through our hardships. Man, if you're watching, I'm begging you, don't run from the Lord. Don't run from God. Don't question him. Don't get angry. You can feel anger in your heart, but don't let it linger towards the Lord. He's got you in his hand, even if you don't understand. 
Stand on the promises of Scripture that when there's brokenness, when there's things that you don't understand why you're doing certain things, you say you won't do it, you say you'll repent a thousand times and you keep on doing it, you're in the potter's hand. He's got you and he wants to remake something beautiful out of you. And it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So are you in my hand, Travis. So are you in my hand, Donovan. So are you in my hand, Karis. So are you, Curtis, in my hand, and Josh. And, and all of us in here, and everybody watching, we're in the potter's hand. And every single thing that we go through, he's going, man, I want to make something beautiful out of this. I've got destiny for this person. I've got purpose for this person. I've got plans that I prepared in advance for this person to do. And this brokenness, this hardship that you're going through right now, it's setting you up to be so fruitful and kingdom-minded and spirit-led in everything that you do moving forward. And so don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. I want to talk about the pathway to wholeness and just kind of give four, four uh, steps along the way to, path, to, to wholeness. And, you know, you have to go through brokenness to achieve wholeness. Jesus was broken on the cross. He was broken. It's the model that we look at and we go, man, if I'm, if I'm a person who's got weakness and insecurities and brokenness in my life, am I not whole? I would say this, just because you're broken doesn't mean that you can't be made whole when you still have weakness. When you let the Lord shine his light on your brokenness, he's filling you up and with him, you're becoming whole. The pressure's off. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to do everything perfectly 100% of the time, although I absolutely want to get there. I don't need to make myself whole in order to be whole. I need to be so intimate with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit through every single hardship, situation, whatever that I go through, because he's the one that's going to make me whole. And so brokenness, wholeness, is not just being perfect, although we want that. But we can be whole even when we have weakness, because he comes and he touches that, and him inside of us makes us operate in wholeness. See, Paul wasn't a sinless man. Jesus was a sinless man. But Paul wasn't a sinless man. So how could he be content in every situation and not sin against people? How could he be so against other people's hearts? Or so about other people's hearts? Because he was so full of the power of God inside of him. Even though he had flesh. Even though he was just a man. And so the first, the first point that I want to make, and there's four, um, on the pathway to wholeness is that you need his presence. Like, when I look back, when I look back at all of the times where, when, when I've, I've achieved wholeness in my life or experienced wholeness in my life, 90% of the times were in my prayer closet. Like, when there was a time, maybe some of you might remember, but when there was a time where I couldn't laugh for, like, months or years, I don't know how long it was, because this one day I realized, I'm like, I can't laugh. I can't laugh like there's no joy in me. And I pray and I'm like, God, I want to laugh. Give me a laugh. It was in the secret place one night on a Tuesday night at about 1030 where I'm praying and I'm speaking in tongues and all of a sudden I just start laughing. And I laughed supernaturally and he gave me this laugh. It was in, the, in his presence. It was in the presence of the Lord. When I had this insecurity that I had with me my whole life. And it affected my relationships. Where was it broken? In the secret place. In the presence. I'm so blessed and honored that Travis asked me to preach here on wholeness because in preparing this last couple months or last couple weeks, I've been, the Lord has been revealing to me, hey Matt, there's brokenness in you that you need to, you need to expose and you need to deal with. And I went, Matt, I didn't realize that. Like I didn't realize that there was bitterness in my soul. I didn't. I didn't realize, like, I got a high standard of forgiveness and what forgiveness should look like. And the Lord was saying, man, Matt, you think you've forgiven, and you have a lot of times, but there's unforgiveness in you. And the, the Lord worked through this in my life. With Travis asked me, hey, speak on wholeness. The Lord is going, you're not totally whole because there's, there's things inside of you that you've got to expose. But it was in his presence that that got exposed. 
and it's such a safe place. God is so gentle and so kind, and he's so about us. He loves us so much. We've got to be in his presence. I remember there was one time when I was worshiping, and I was, I like being by myself uh, when I worship, when I pray. I like being in a little space, like a little, like, like, like back in the far corner, like a two-by-two-foot space. That's like where I want to be. And so I was at a church service one time, and there wasn't that, but there was the mom's room in the back. I'm like, oh, I can go back there by myself and close the door, and I could still hear the worship. I was listening to the worship, and I remember the Lord gave me a vision. And what the vision was, was he was big. The father was big. And I was down here. I was little. I was below him. And all these words were coming down from the Father, and they were hitting me. And it was love, 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 love. So much love from the Father. And what would fall off me when the Father's love would hit me was I would see the words drop. I'd see insecurity, guilt, shame, lust, greed. It's like a shower when the water is clean, and then it hits you, and it's dirty, but all the dirty water runs off. In the presence of the Lord... His love will rain down on you and he'll make you whole. He'll take your brokenness and he'll get rid of it and he'll make you whole. We need the presence of God. We've got to seek him. We have to allow him to touch our innermost being. You know, Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts, but we're like, yeah, you can, you can open some doors, but I'm not going to give you my worst. I'm not going to give you my brokenness. But the pathway to wholeness is always through exposing our brokenness because he wants to touch that. We've got to seek his presence. The second one is openness. And, you know, I've I've touched on it already, but we've got to be willing to be open. We've got to be willing to talk. We've got to be willing to open our mouths and say, this is what I've gone through and how it's affected me. We've got to be willing to open our mouths and go, this is like the worst of the worst thing that I've done, and I need to tell you. I need to tell you, brother, I need to tell you, sister, God, I need to talk to you about the worst things that I've done. See, we've got to be open, and there's so much power in being openness, in being open. One of the coolest things was, was there was a guy in our ministry, and um, it just blessed me so much. He, he, had, he had an extreme addiction to pornography, extreme addiction, and, and for years, and nobody knew and lost a lot. Like, a lot, like it cost him a lot. Probably what you're thinking isn't enough. Like it cost him a lot in his life. And one of our, one of our challenges to, to the guys in our program was you need to tell somebody everything that you've done. You gotta tell somebody everything. He didn't wanna do it because it was so bad. He was scared of the repercussions. And it took a few days, and he was driving, and he's like, oh, God, you're telling me to do this. You're telling me to tell somebody, and I don't want to do this. And, and he went home, and, and he's sitting on the couch, and he's like, I don't want to do this. But he's like, the Holy Spirit was just impressing on me and like not letting me do anything until I confessed, until I told somebody everything. So he did it, and he's like, man, I could, I could smile from my innermost being for the first time in years. He's like, I could laugh from my soul, from my gut. For the first time in years, I feel so free. Well, about three, four days later, he sent me a message and he said, he, he said, I've had an injury in my body. I've had an injury that was really bugging me. Bugging me. It was hindering me. It was pain like every single day and I've had it for months and I was trying to get better. I didn't know what to do. And I realized that the moment I confessed everything, my injury was gone. His body was made whole because he was willing to be open. He, he, he was willing to be open about everything, not just a little bit, not just the easiest stuff to confess. He got everything out, and the Lord is like, I so want to honor you. I so want to heal you. I so want to make your body whole. That when I see you doing this, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to make you whole, and I'm going to show you how proud I am of you. I'm going to heal your body. It was incredible. It's wholeness. It's, it's like it's being willing to go on the pathway to wholeness, being willing to be open, to listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. And you don't know how whole you're going to get. He didn't expect that. But the Lord goes above and beyond because he's so good. He's so much better than what we think. I love in Ephesians 5 where it says, 
This, verse has been, this, this set of verses has been so on my heart lately. It says, take no part, this is verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose the works of darkness. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. I'm like, well, that's exactly why I don't want to expose my darkness. Then it's going to be visible. People are going to know, right? I don't want that. And then it says, for anything that becomes visible is light. We have darkness over here. We're like, I don't want this exposed, Lord. Like, I want to keep this inside of me. I'll maybe talk about what everybody else talks about, but I'm not going to talk about the motives behind my sin. I'm not going to talk about why I waited two years to, uh, to confess, to, to follow the nudges of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about what I did, but not maybe the motives of my heart that were impure. No, no. He's going, man, when there's darkness and you expose it, it becomes visible, and the darkness doesn't just go away. The darkness becomes light. He uses it for your good. He uses it for his glory. He uses it to advance the kingdom of God. He uses it to pierce hearts. He uses it to impact people around us. He uses it so that when others are in darkness, they go, man, that darkness, that pornography addiction that he had, now Matt's speaking on like national interviews and he's doing podcasts that are on all these countries and he's talking about the, the worst sins in his life just openly. Like, how does he do it? Because I talk about the grace of God that's so real in my life. Because with the grace of God, I can, I can expose anything because he's going to make it light. He's going to use you so powerfully. And at Resurgence, we want to be a community where there's no secrets. There's no darkness. There's no, there's no hidden agendas or ulterior motives because I'm, I'm hurting in my soul and I don't know if people are going to approve of who I am. So I got to put on this fake face and, and be good. No, we want to be a people. When the altar is there, we come forth with the worst things that we've done. There's Zoom prayer meetings afterwards. If there's something being nudged on your heart that the Lord is going, man, I want you to expose this. I want you to talk to somebody about it. You've got to be willing to open. And I I pray that you take advantage of that. Now, you don't have to tell everybody about your junk, but get it out. Talk to one person and then talk to two and then talk to three. And maybe that's all it's going to be. But you want to follow the nudges of the Holy Spirit in being open Because the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. The testimony of his grace in your life is a spirit of prophecy that's going to impact other people. And you don't know how many people are going to be impacted when you allow the darkness in you to come out and then become light when when the Lord shines on it. It's so beautiful. You know, it's a scary thing to expose darkness and to be open with that, to expose our sin. But when you do it, you realize that you're loved. You realize that God loves you. You realize that, that people love you, right? You realize, man, that person's broken too. The person that I told, they're broken too. And, and it impacts them so much because they realize, man, if I expose my sin now, I'm going to be loved just like this person loves me. And, and there's so much power in that. And so moving into this with openness, we've got to be willing to have community around us. And community is not just for us, although it is. See, we've got to be willing to share with others because we need it. Like, we need, we need community. We can't just hide away. One of the elements of shame, that when we're so ashamed of what we've done, we isolate our souls or we isolate physically. Like, like we, we, we hide from people when we're so ashamed of what we've done and we don't want to show our face. But on, uh, the other option is that when we're with people, we put on a false um, persona of who we are because we're not willing to be exposed. But we need community where we can just talk about who we are. Like, let's just be real. Leaders expose their junk. Now, you might look and go, man, there's leaders that have fallen after 40 years of ministry and they didn't expose it. I'm not talking about positional. I'm talking about if you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you expose your junk because you're leading other people into the grace of God. You're leading other people to experience his love in those parts of their heart that they don't want to expose. So you do it in community. You need community. If you want wholeness in your life, it's an essential to have community. 
You have to have people around you. Do what it takes. Now with online, find an online group. Resurgence, I know you have, you have groups um, every year. I don't know if it's ongoing all the time, but you have different amazing groups that you can get part of. There's, there's Bible studies online. Talk to your pastor. Find somebody. Don't make the excuse, like, oh, I don't have a community. I don't have people in my life. Go make it happen. The Lord will honor you. He'll bring you into wholeness when you do that. But you need community because you need to shine your light to others. See, Scripture doesn't say to shine the light of God. It actually says shine your light. So what is your light? Well, what we just saw is that your light is actually your darkness, darkness exposed that becomes light, and then you shine that in front of other people. That's the light because they're experiencing the grace of God. And so you need to have community because you've got purpose. There's, there's impact in your story that other people are going to benefit from. And there's some of you out there, there's some of you listening, that you have to go, for, for, go forgive somebody. There's brokenness in relationship, and the Lord is so about mending that and making it whole. He's so about forgiveness, just being the marker of that relationship so that you don't have to live with bitterness anymore. Some of you have to forgive people. Some of us have to apologize for what we've done. You know, how, how, how vulnerable is it to be the one that made a mistake and go, and go and apologize to somebody and have them not apologize back? It's a, defen- a defense mechanism when we're going, okay, I'll apologize, but only if you apologize first. Or when I apologize, you better say it too. Because we're, we're, we're scared. We're being defensive. Like, I can't be the only broken one here. But some of us just need to apologize to people in our life to bring that relationship to wholeness. Leaders forgive. Leaders apologize. Children of God who are made whole, who are operating in a wholeness, they forgive. Let's be, let's be people here tonight when you're listening that forgive people. They're, that's so about the heart of the Father bringing reconciliation to relationships. Now, you might not have to reconcile with a person, but I would encourage you with this. Don't forgive for your sake. This is a teaching that's incorrect. It's not biblical. You know, when you better forgive so that your own soul is set free. That's not biblical. It says in Matthew 18 that if you don't forgive, you'll be turned over to the tormentors, and so you better forgive so that your soul is not turned over. It says that, but that's not a motive for forgiving. That's what will happen if we don't forgive. Jesus was not hanging on the cross going, Father, forgive them so that my soul will be free, so that I won't have bitterness. He was going, no, forgive them for their benefit. Forgive them for the love of God to flow through me into that person. In 2 Corinthians 2, Paul talks to the church about a a guy who committed sin. And he says, guys, you better forgive that person because the weight of his sin is enough. Don't add on top of that with, with your unforgiveness. He's going, man, this person has suffered enough. He needs forgiveness. You're not doing it so that you can, you can be free in your soul. Forgive so that the love of God can hit that person. That's wholeness. And so ask yourself, is there somebody that I need to forgive even more fully than I have? If you've forgiven for your own sake and you're still bitter to the person, have you really forgiven them? If you don't want to bless that person, but you say you're forgiven, have you really forgiven them? This was, this is something that's big on my heart and the Lord revealed it to me. He's like, there's unforgiveness in your heart. I'm going, man, this is something that's like a passion for me is, is, is understanding the proper biblical understanding of forgiveness. And I was doing it incorrectly. But what I did was I, I, I talked to my wife. I'm like, honey, there's things that the Lord is revealing in my heart. I got to share with you. I got to be open. I got to get it out. I got to have community. And I got to share it. And so we need community for us and for other people. And the last path, the last step on the pathway to wholeness is we've got to be a people who know how to receive. You know, the love of God is available for everybody. Why is everybody not saved? Why is everybody not saved if the love of God is for everyone? They don't know how to receive. We've received salvation if we know Jesus, but we still don't receive his love and the love of other people when we justify a way why we must not be good enough to receive that grace. So people love us and we go, no, you don't really love me. And we justify that in response. We, 
we receive grace from God and we go, no, no, like that, that's not good enough because I still feel guilty. The reason why I'm, I'm going to suggest that you might feel guilty still is because you're not just dwelling in his presence, learning how to receive from the Lord. We've got to know how to receive. We've got to agree with the word of God and go, man, I don't regard myself as somebody in the flesh anymore as we used to. The old is gone. The new has come. Sure, I was a sinner. Now I'm saved by grace. People in our, in our industry, whatever you want to call it, go, man, you're a recovering addict. You were porn free 20, or porn, into porn 20 years ago. You've been free for 20 years. You're a recovering addict. I'm going, man, you're not only not a recovering addict, but you're a free child of God. Even in the midst of your addiction, God will never call you an addict. He calls you his child. He calls you his own. When in the secret place did he ever come to you and whisper in your ear and go, you're a sinner? When did he do that? Why do we say these things about ourselves? Because we don't know how to receive. We don't know how to receive and live with the love of God that makes us so whole. Even when we have brokenness in our lives, even when there's sin, we can still be made whole with the love of God and the light of heaven touching all of those parts in our body, all of those parts in our lives, in our, in our, in our innermost being. We've got to be willing to seek his presence with everything. Be open, get everything out. Don't let there be something lingering inside of you. Don't let there be something lingering that's been exposed and you're going, I don't want to talk to anybody about that. Get it out. Life is about more than putting on a good face. Life is about knowing Jesus intimately. How could you know Jesus more intimately than when you present all of your worst junk and he loves you anyway? It's wholeness in him. This is how we become whole with community and when we receive his love. And so if you're at home right now, I just want to lead you to his presence. I just want to lead you to say, man, God, is there something? Is there something in my heart that you want me to expose? Is there something in my past that, that is still gnawing at me? Who can I talk to? Ask the Lord, who can I talk to about this thing? Listen for the nudges of the Holy Spirit. He'll make you whole if you let him. He's waiting. He's so desperately seeking to make you whole, to mend you together. He's holding the clay. You may be spoiled, but you're in his hand, and he wants to make something beautiful out of your life. Let him. Delight in who you are in the Lord with your brokenness, with all the trauma, the hardships, the bitterness that you have, let him, let him shape you into something beautiful. And if you're listening and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm telling you, you can know about him. You can read about him. You can gain knowledge. You can believe that Jesus lived, but if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, that's a game changer. And if you're going, man, I want to be made whole. Like I was made in God's image. I was made to be with him, to be one with him. And I don't know him. Like if you're there, I'm just encouraging you. Just pray with me. Just go, God, I'm sorry that I, don't, I, I didn't know you. I am sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. But I thank you, Father, for the love that you have for me and that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed on the cross for my sin. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive him as my savior. I thank you for my love, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've, if you've prayed that prayer, if you're, I mean, welcome to the family if you've prayed that prayer. I hope that, that, um, that you have. And, and I just want to encourage you, walk this out. This is a, this is a, this is a daily thing. Like there's going to be things in, in my life in 20 years from now that I'm going, man, I need to seek his presence about this. I need to be open and have community. I need to talk about this with somebody. There might be something where I'm going, I'm not receiving the love of God in this area. I've got to learn how to receive. 
But walk this out daily. Walk this out with people. Father, I declare wholeness over each person listening. I declare freedom. And I declare all of the junk, all of the darkness in our lives, that that stuff will become light, that that stuff will be exposed and will be illuminated by the light of heaven, that you will use that, that there's nothing beyond you using. I thank you for your love for us, for your design, that you can take somebody so broken, going through so much hardship, and you hold them through it all. I thank you, Father, that you are persistent and desperate in your love for us. I thank you that you are about wholeness and that you make us whole, that it's not something that that we can do on our own, but I thank you that it's your presence, that it's your spirit, that it's by the blood of Jesus that we can be made whole in you. God, I pray that we will that we will be so about your glory, that we will be so about your Father's business, that we will be be so about blessing our brothers and sisters, blessing those with the love of God who don't know you. I pray that that will be the motive of our heart, that the motive of our heart won't be lack, won't be self-centered, but but that, that won't even be a consideration, that we'll be so dead to ourselves and alive in you that we're just about living out your word. Seek his presence. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in people's hearts. I pray that you bring us out of what we're, bring the sin out of our lives and carry us through whatever hardships we're going through, Lord. We want to pray those things away. We don't want that that to be our reality. But God, when there's hardships, I pray that we'll be a people who will do everything that we can to learn what it is by your spirit to have joy, to have pure joy no matter what we go through. Thank you that that it's a reality. Thank you that we can be whole in you. Thank you that you ordained this world and created us to be made in your image and your likeness, that you made us with holes that you can fill, that only you can fill. We love you so much, Father. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your work in our lives. Um, if you if you need prayer, if you're wanting to reach out, I encourage you. There's a link on the website. There's a link on Facebook, on YouTube, in the comments for the Zoom prayer rooms. And there's people in there wanting to pray for you. They're they're wanting to pray with you. They're wanting to lead you into greater encounter with Jesus. And I encourage you go to those links um, that you see. Take advantage of the community that Resurgence is providing for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of Resurgence. For more information, go to liveresurgence.com.